Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is November the 6th, 2021. This is episode 304. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast bringing you news and thoughts about the newest media releases. That includes movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. As you can see, if you're watching the video version on YouTube right now, is just me this week, just me, Matt. Mike is out on assignment, as I said before I started the recording here, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, watching some cars drive very, very quickly. I'm sure he'll tell us all about it next week, but in the meantime, this week I'll just be giving you uh, every all the usual show by my little lonesome. So, with that, let's jump right into it. We start the show as we always do with movies, and we start the movie section this week with the weekend box office numbers. And as you might imagine, your number one movie is still Dune. It made another $15 million domestic this week. That's at a nice $69 million total. Coming in at number two right behind it is Halloween Kills. Made another $8.7 million. That's sitting pretty at $85 million. Number three, No Time to Die, made another $7.7 million. That's at a big $133 million for to- up to this point. Number four, one of your debuts this week, anime film My Hero Academia, colon, World Heroes' Mission, with $6.4 million debut here in the old states. And rounding up your top five, Venom, colon, Let There Be Carnage, made another $5.7 million. That's a $190 uh, domestic, so that's only 10 away from the glorious $200 million mark which it will probably make. That's your top five. In case you're wondering about some stragglers that debuted this week uh, that maybe didn't crack that top five, at number six is Antlers, which we talked about last week, horror movie where, hey, guess what? Person grows antlers, hence the name. That made $4.2 million in its debut. And in case you're on Edgar Wright Watch, his new Last Night in Soho only made $4.1 million in its first weekend. Pretty disappointing when you consider his track record. But then again, he's never known for been known for big success stories, has he? <laughs> Anyways, so you know what? Not a whole lot. But of course, everything got out of the way of this weekend's big release, which of course is big Marvel showstopper Eternals, which came out last night. Um, I'm not sure if Mike is planning to see this. This is a theater-only joint, just like Shang-Chi was upon its original release. We'll see. Also this week, something called Spencer. Since he's not here, I'm just going to say it's a movie and move on. Let's move on to our movie news section where we have a couple of uh, a couple of stories here. First up, we talk about none other than The Rock, Mr. Dwayne Johnson himself. He has said he is pledging to stop using real firearms on all projects that are produced by his company, Seven Bucks Productions. Johnson, who has to handle firearms in the upcoming Netflix film Red Notice, says he will only use rubber guns on the set and will enforce that rule with any studio he is working with. Quote, We're going to switch over to rubber guns and we're going to take care of it in post, he said. We're not going to worry about the dollars. We won't worry about what it costs. Of course, this move is in um, the aftermath of the shooting that happened on the Rust set. The film that um, Alec Baldwin um, was holding a gun that discharged a prop gun that was um, erroneously loaded. 
and killed the assistant director on that project. Um, yeah, it, it's a good move. I like what what The Rock is doing here. I wish others follow in his footsteps. Any safety measures are welcome, especially when something can happen and something can go so wrong so quickly like it did on that set. So um, fingers crossed and hopefully other people follow his lead here. It would be really cool to see a movement like this to make sure that safety is absolutely number one priority on these sets. Moving on to a little bit more fun kind of stories here. We have one of um, our favorite things to talk about on the Media Boat podcast, which of course is casting. We have some casting bits for you. There's so many, we had to round them up. First up, Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. have joined Cillian Murphy and Emily Blunt in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer film, as the title suggests. It's about Oppenheimer. Hey, what do you know? The Great Emu War, which apparently is the name of the movie, has cast comedy legend John Cleese alongside Monty Franklin, Jim Jeffries, and Reese Darby. Meanwhile, the internet was uh, depressed, you could say, to find out on a Monday, no less, that Chris Pratt will be voicing yet another animated character, as he will be the voice of Garfield in the upcoming animated Garfield film. Really? They couldn't get anybody else. Anyone. Anyone at all. Uh, Troy Duffy has been set to direct the Boondock Saints 3. Yes, you heard that right. A third Boondock Saints movie. Uh, go call your old dorm mate from uh, sophomore year of college. I'm sure they're super thrilled about this news. And that has Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick... Wow, I can't say his name. Sean Patrick Flannery as brothers Connor and Murphy McManus. Guessing McManus. It's not McManus, I don't think. That's your casting news for the week. Looks like we do have a placeholder thought for Mike. Mike saw the movie Army of Thieves, but since he's not here, we'll punt that to next week. So pause and wait for next week. In the meantime, I have some really quick follow-up thoughts about Dune. I actually sat down and finished it up. I had a good time with that thing. Um, it's really cool looking. There's some really interesting effects going on. I think that thematically, not knowing anything about Dune going into it, I had fun with the world. I think it's an interesting world, an interesting setup. Does it bite off a little more than it can chew? Well, yes, but that's expected for something based on a novel. There's only so much you can cover. And the fact that it's part one of two of even that first book means that there's a lot of untouched story that still has to be told. And it feels like that. You feel like you get to the end and it feels like we've only just started. I'm also dis was a little disappointed in the lack of Zendaya, but I'm sure we'll get plenty of Zendaya in the next film. I think for what it is, it's a neat looking film with some really interesting performances and some some really, really just striking, striking visuals. So yeah, I give it a recommend. It's fun. It's a good watch. Uh, it's not the deepest thing in the world. I do, do think the plotting is actually surprisingly easy to keep track of. I mean, given that you don't stop it midway and pick it up a few days later like I did. Um, but yeah, um, it's a good time. And if you have HBO Max, it's a no-brainer. So go check out Dune. I bet it looks really cool on a theater screen, though. I do have to admit. Other than that, didn't watch any other movies. So we can safely move on to the next part of the show. We'll move on to television. And we always start television, as we always do, with the sports corner. I would point to the corner, but since we're not at Mike's place, the we got nothing here. No sports represented in my corner of my room. 
But we can talk about some sports stories, of course, the biggest of which we have a World Series champion, the Atlanta Braves, which was a less than 500 team at the start of August, made their way to the top of the heap by beating the Houston Astros, asterisks, in the World Series in Game 6. Just a fantastic series to watch. Games were surprising. There's a lot of come-from-behind wins. It never felt like one team really ever had the upper hand, even though Atlanta surged really early on. It proved to be a really fun, entertaining series to watch, and I had a blast um, in my first like World Series actually paying attention. And yeah, we're looking forward to the next season, though. Unfortunately, we have this lull without baseball for a while. But you know what? We'll make do. We'll figure it out. I've got the show to play in the meantime. Also, in the meantime, other sports have happened. NASCAR Final Four. We are down to our Final Four racers here. Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larkson. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, as we speak, Mike is in the sunny state of Arizona to see some NASCAR racing, and I'm sure he will report back from the field next week with all the fun racing news for that. Next up, uh, so it looks like this is maybe a story in progress, so I'm going to skip this one for now. It's about that Blackhawks player we talked about briefly last week. I'll wait for Mike to return next week to talk about that. But the big, one of the biggest sports, sports stories this week was, of course, about Aaron Rodgers, who made waves this week after contracting COVID-19, which, of course, revealed that he is also unvaccinated. A lot of people seem to point fingers at his um, at his uh, family, I guess, to put it lightly, about some of the choices that maybe they make with their health. But overall, it means that he's going to miss 10 days, the next 10 days of play. Um, once this was revealed, they were like, well, he can't play. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers is out. And maybe this puts a little crack in the um, smart guy, like friend of everybody veneer that he's been able to maintain his during his career. I think we're finally seeing the real Aaron Rodgers kind of peek through a little bit more than before. Makes you think. Nobody is as they seem. All right, let's move on to our next thing here. Henry Ruggs III was involved in a, or I should say involved in a, apparently he was speeding really, really quickly um, on the freeway in Las Vegas and crashed. He was under the influence. Obviously, this means that he will not be playing. I believe he's a Raiders player. He was not. He will not be playing anytime soon after that aftermath. Next up, Calvin Ridley, Michael Thomas, and OBJ have all walked away from their historic teams that have made them famous. So where they will end up, who knows? But we'll watch their next steps, I'm sure. And meanwhile, in hockey, there are three teams, or the Hurricanes are the only team that remains undefeated, while the poor Coyotes are still looking for their first win this season. And lastly, if you're one of the many sports fans who loved ESPN Classic for classic footage of old sports games, well, it's a sad day on January 1st, 2022, as ESPN Classic will go dark and will end its broadcast. So, sad, you'll have to rely on YouTube uh, uploads to see some classic uh, sports footage. You won't be able to just rely on old ESPN Classic for much, too much longer here. Sad, really. That's it for sports. I'm sure we'll hear more next week. But in the meantime, let's move on to the television section. A couple of stories here. And we start with streamer HBO Max. 
not only can you watch Dune on this per, on this service, but they've also acquired the rights to five 90s Warner Brothers shows. Hanging with Mr. Cooper, In the House, The Jamie Foxx Show, Martin, and The Parenthood. Some classics there of, um, of Warner Brothers sitcom history. It will also be the home of David Makes a Man Season 2 from OWN. That was previously an OWN show, OWN being the Oprah Winfrey Network. They also ordered The Big Brunch, which is a cooking competition from Dan Levy. And he will also serve as the host. Excited to see some brunch food. I'm sure that that'll be a delicious show to watch. Next up, if you have kids, I'm sure you watch a lot of YouTube kids programming. One of the biggest names in YouTube kids videos is none other than the strange and bewildering Blippi. I myself have been um, subject to some Blippi videos. It's super weird. Well, they're produced by Moonbug Entertainment, which also, uh, and they also the animated show Coco Melon. Well, they followed Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine co Company in selling to the Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs Blackstone-backed content venture, which is still untitled. So money is changing hands. Terms of the deal were not disclosed, but Bloomberg pegged the value of Moonbug at $3 billion. A lot of money in kids' entertainment. The acquisition is the second major deal this year for that content company, which is still being bankrolled by private equity giant Blackstone. Back in August, they purchased a controlling stake in, as I mentioned, Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine, valuing that company at more than $900 million. They subsequently held talks with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's Westbrook Incorporated as well. So I'm sure the other shoe will drop on that very soon. All right, that'll do it for television news. Mike has some thoughts that we'll put a check mark on until next week. Looks like he's watched Inside Jaw, which I talked about briefly last week, as well as season five of Big Mouth. Uh, I'll just mention real quick that I've started watching season five of Riverdale. The CW is Riverdale now that it's back on Netflix. I'll uh, save my thoughts until the end of the season, though, as we continue through it in anticipation of season six, which starts in just a week. But in the meantime, let's move right along, just cruising through this show, to cancellations and renewals. First up, HBO Max's Sweet Life Los Angeles will get a second season. Stars has renewed Heels for a second season. Prime Video is bringing back Hannah, Hannah, for a third season. Tacoma FD will get a fourth season on True TV. Miracle Workers on TBS will get a fourth season. And lastly, Fantasy Island, the uh, reality reboot, is getting a second season on Fox. No deaths this week, so let's hop on over to the second half of the show, and let's talk about music, beginning with, of course, the Billboard. We start Billboard with the Hot 100, the hottest singles in the land, and guess what? Nothing changed since last week. Their top five remains set in stone. Number one, of course, Easy On Me by Adele, and it's second weekend number one. Two, Stay by The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Number three, Industry Baby by Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow. Number four, Fancy Like, The Applebee's Song by Walker Hayes. And rounding out your top five, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. Your Billboard 200, your albums chart, has changed this week. Hopping back up to number two, one number one is Certified Lover Boy by Drake, yet again. Rising from its grave, unfortunately, all the way up to number two, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. 
Number three, also rising a few spots, Planet Her by Doja Cat returned to the top five. Number four, Sincerely Contrell by Young Boy Never Broke Again also returns back to its home in the top five. And rounding out your top five, the ever top five single uh, album of the year, which I'm sure we'll talk about more as the year ends, ends and wraps up in a month, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Your new releases, in case you didn't like anything that you just heard in the Billboard charts, this past Friday included, first up, Kid Amnesia, which is a double album re-release of both Kid A and Amnesia by Radiohead, is out this week. That includes bonus materials, never before heard demos, um, and uh, cleaned up uh, versions of both of those seminal Radiohead albums. The first album by ABBA in quite a long time since their breakup in the 80s, Voyage, came out this week. I did not get a chance to listen to it, but I promise we will talk about it next week. Queens of the Summer Hotel by Amy Mann. Yes, that Amy Mann. (laughs) Christ Fucker, which is the name of an album by Portrayal of Guilt. The name. Valentine by Snail Mail. And lastly, Thank You by Diana Ross. You know what? You're welcome, Diana Ross. You're welcome. Let's move on to music news. First up, this was the biggest story, at least in my circles this week, until the second thing, which is much, much darker. But the story does have a dark turn to it, too, that might surprise some people. It's about our friend Adele. Adele may be immune to many of the mortal concerns that trouble musical non-deities, but there's one thing she has in common with the most modest indie rocker. She had to finish her forthcoming album 30 early if she wanted vinyl available on the same day the release hit streaming services. These days, almost everybody does. While the company declined official comment, Sony Music sources tell Variety that more than 500,000 vinyl copies of 30 have already been manufactured in the months leading up to the album's November 19th release. With the company pushing catalog titles off of its overseas pressing plants to ensure there won't be any shortage of Adele LPs going to the holidays. To do that, for an album that will probably immediately break initial vinyl sales records, the artist had to turn in 30 more than six months ago. Any later, and Adele would have been subject to the manufacturing shortages and overbooked pressing plants that have essentially turned almost every new LP release into a limited edition. So, this is a multifaceted story. Not only is it wild that Adele had to finish with such a huge tail in order to get these um, vinyl records pressed, but it also tells a harrowing story of what musicians, especially smaller indie musicians, have to deal with with this supply chain disaster that's been happening since COVID started. There just isn't enough there aren't enough factories and manpower to create these vinyls. So you have backlogs that a lot of these smaller labels just are just piling, piling these orders, and there's just not enough vinyl records to ship out. So, of course, in reaction to this news, smaller labels were pissed off, and I don't blame them for being, because they're looking at this and being like, so, of course, they're going to push off all of these other releases until Adele gets her vinyls because somehow they're worth more. They're more valuable because it's Adele. It's attached to a big name. And of course, it's important to note, it's not just Adele doing this either. Major labels have done this recently with, of course, Taylor Swift, whose own 
final releases earlier in the year. First, Evermore at the beginning of the year, and then Fearless Taylor's version once it was released. Both had major delays in production. Now with Red, Taylor's version, coming out in just a week now, she had to pull in Adele as well and says she claims that she has enough already produced to make sure that they're able to be shipped out when fans will want them. And then with news this week that Rihanna's label is going to re-release a lot of her existing discography on vinyl. And I'm sure they've done the same move here. It's just depressing because it means that a lot of vinyl is getting made but not equally distributed. It's a lot for singular, very famous, very successful artists. And it's making smaller artists not being able to make their records at all. So yeah, it's a sad story. Hopefully the supply chain stuff gets figured out, but it's going to be a while until that happens. And it's just depressing to watch these big labels strong arm these small labels to make sure that their stuff gets priority. So just, just a little sad, just a little sad story. And of course, speaking of sad stories, our next one is no picnic either. We move on to the tragedy that struck Travis Scott's Astroworld Festival as crowd surges during his Friday night headlining set left eight dead and over 300 injured, according to Houston, Texas officials. 50,000 fans attended the show in total, which led to a surge during Scott's performance at the festival outside NRG Park, the Houston Chronicle reports. At a press conference following the concert, Houston Fire Chief Samuel Pena clarified the timeline. He said that at 9 p.m. the crowd began surging forward during Scott's set as there was panic and people running for safety. At that point, Scott paused the show several times to ask security to help out fans, and members of the fire department were sent into the dense crowd to rescue the injured. From what I understand, that people at the scene described it as kind of a domino effect when there became a lot of pushing and shoving in the pit close to the stage. It just sort of, people started falling over and falling over, and then once safety seemed to be an issue, people started running away, and when a few people panic, more people start to panic. So it ended up with the eight dead and 300 injured, as we mentioned. It's just a disaster when stuff like this happens. It means this security is not doing a good enough job. It means that people are not helping other people. People are creating more of a disaster than, than necessary, really. And poor Travis Scott has to can't really do much from on top of the stage except try not to encourage it. And it seems like he was trying what he could do, try to get security's attention to the issues. It, you hate to see something like this, especially right now where COVID protocols should still be in in place. You shouldn't even have gathering crowds at this kind of volume at this point. So it's just it's just rough to see this kind of thing. So of course. We hope that everybody that was affected, the families of the dead here, the people who are recovering from their injuries, we hope that they get a good recovery and get their rest. I hope um, future Travis Scott shows and future arena shows of this volume make sure they manage the crowds in a way where this kind of trampling doesn't happen again. It's really, really rough to see. So just, yeah, just music, just a depressing, depressing week this week. Hopefully next week will be a little lighter for you. <laughs> Let's move on uh, with some real quick thought. Um, I listened to uh, Valentine by Snail Mail, the new Snail Mail record that came out this week. 
And I am happy to report that it is a great record. If you listen to Lush, her 2018 record, this is like that, but with a sonic palette that's just been opened up. It's almost like she's opened up the, all the windows in the house and really let it breathe. She's experimenting with some new sounds that she hasn't used before. Her songwriting's gotten stronger. And keep in mind, Lush is one of my favorite records of the last five years. So the fact that she's kind of really refined it even further and made a record that sounds even better and a higher quality than that first one, that's saying quite a lot. So don't be surprised if this returns in an end of the year conversation uh, on my list here because it's quite good. I'm definitely going to listen to it some more and uh, really let it sink in, but the first listen was a really positive one, and I'm looking forward to spending more time with the record. All right, that does it for music, which means we can move on to our last section here, just cruising right along, into video games. And we start video games with a new release section that's longer than a CVS receipt. Let me tell you, it just keeps going. Games are coming out. We start with Bloodshore for the PlayStation 4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. If you have it, you can play it. Just Dance 2022 for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Switch. A, it's that time of year for all those people who buy two games a year. Yes, that's right. Call of Duty is back. Call of Duty Vanguard comes out this week. That's PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. Blue Reflection, colon, Second Light, comes out for PS4, Switch, and PC this week. Football Manager 2022, if you want to get your football management on, for Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. Big Xbox Game Pass released this week, Forza Horizon 5 is out on Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. As I mentioned, Game Pass, you can get that right away. Jurassic World Evolution 2, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Anniversary Edition is finally out. It's 10-year anniversary. Can you believe that? 10 years of Skyrim? And it's re-released for everything. I don't need to tell you the platforms. You know. Also this week, the uh, Switch port of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is out. This is not to be confused with the remake that was announced for PS5. But last but definitely not least, according to Rockstar, Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy Definitive Edition, that is the remaster um, of the original trilogy of uh, PS2-era GTA games, that includes GTA 3, uh, Vice City, and San Andreas. That's on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, and Switch, and PC. Literally everything. And just a quick note, if you have Game Pass, Game, game Pass subscribers will be able to play the San Andreas part of the trilogy uh, for free if you're a if you have the Game Pass subscription. And then Sony uh, PlayStation Now subscribers can play Vice City on their service. No, not Vice City, uh, GTA 3 on their service. So uh, there you go, get uh, shooting the town up. All right, let's move on to out of new releases and into some news stories. Our first story is um, in reaction to a Nintendo financial result, um, the stockholder call that occurred last week. Some numbers for you about Nintendo's year that they've had so far financially. In its latest financial results published on Thursday, Nintendo confirmed that the Switch version of Mario Kart, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, has sold 3.34 million units during the six months alone ending in September 30th, 2021 
which means Deluxe Lifetime has sold 38.74 units, million units since its release in April 2017, surpassing Mario Kart Wii's previous franchise record of 37.38 million. And even back then, that made Mario Kart Wii one of the best-selling games of all time, which means that now Mario Kart Deluxe Eight Deluxe is now one of the best selling games of all time. Just let that sink in for a second. 38 million people bought Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Oh yeah, as the Deluxe implies, it's not even the original release of this. So if you include the original version of Mario Kart 8, released back in 2014 for the Wii U, it sold a further 8.46 million copies. Imagine if more people had owned Wii U's. The company also said on Thursday that Switch had sold in, that's shipped for us laymen, 92.87 million units as of September 30th, 2021. That's up 3.83 million units since June 30th. That being said, Nintendo confirmed that it has actually cut its annual Switch shipment forecast from 25.5 million units three months earlier to just 24 million units, quote, because of the change in our production plan due to the effects of the global semiconductor shortage. In relation to this news, Nintendo made it clear that they unfortunately don't believe that they will be able to make enough switches to meet holiday demand um, this upcoming December. So if you absolutely needed an OLED switch come December, it may not come when you need it to come. It may look like that switch might have a little bit of a scarcity problem going into the holiday season. Disappointing, surely, but hey, at least you could have bought a Switch in 2021, unlike a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. So, you know, see where you weigh up there. Still, hey, so a little bit of good news, a little bit of bad news for Nintendo, but hey, they're still they're still making money hand over like a billion dollars. Like they're making so much money, it's nothing to sneeze at. So let's keep that in mind. And next up in video games, our second story takes us over to Activision Blizzard, where yet another update in its ongoing um, trial of lawsuits and oustings and firings and quits and quitting executives continues unabated. Of course, all in the aftermath of the uh, sexual harassment claims and toxic workplace claims that have been made about its about its company. The next, this week's update though, is about Jen O'Neill, the former Vicarious Visions boss, who was announced as Blizzard's co-leader alongside former Xbox exec Mike Ibarra in August. Well, Jen is has decided that she is leaving the company to focus on bringing more diversity to the games industry as a whole. O'Neill was announced as Blizzard's co-leader after the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing sued Activision Blizzard for discrimination and harassment, replacing the outgoing J. Allen Brack. The exec is a 20-year veteran of Activision, and the company said on Tuesday that it would donate $1 million to Women in Games International in her honor. O'Neill is a board member of the organization. So there you go. Quote, she says, I am doing this not because I am without hope for Blizzard, quite the opposite. I'm inspired by the passion of everyone here, working towards meaningful, lasting change with their whole hearts. That is what she wrote in her goodbye letter to employees. Yeah, I saw a lot of people kind of uh, disappointed by this news because 
as a black woman, she was a representative of diversity in the upper echelons of Activision Blizzard leadership. And to see someone so diverse, which seemed like with a dedication to diversity in the company, uh, leave her post so quickly was disappointing to some. But it looks like she's going to use her power for good. Looks like she's moving on to make a bigger impact on the industry as whole. And honestly, maybe it's a good move to get out of this kind of burning fire as soon as possible instead of being responsible for it going forward. Um, so yeah, it'll just be Mike Ibarra, Ibarra at the top spot for now unless they choose to hire any more um, leadership alongside him. So, hey, Godspeed, man. I hope he figures something out. And that'll do it for video game news. I have a real quick video game thought to talk about before we wrap up the show this week. I played Unpacking, and I'm not just talking about the unpacking we're doing in real life. I'm talking about the video game available right now on Game Pass if you're a console or PC Game Pass owner on Xbox or PC. Unpacking is what it sounds like. It's a video game about unpacking boxes, but it also tells a story, but it tells a story with no dialogue and actual writing whatsoever. It's kind of, you might as well have called it Unpacking Simulator because that's more or less what the game is designed as. You are presented with a space, like an apartment, a house, maybe a studio, and boxes that need to be unloaded, and surfaces or drawers or closet space that you can put the contents of the boxes in. And, you know, you do as you do in real life. You open up a box, you see some, like, towels, for instance. Towels go in the bathroom. If it's a dish towel, it goes in the kitchen. That kind of thing. Stuffed animal, maybe that goes on the bed. Maybe it goes in the closet. You hang up some shirts. You fold some other ones. It's very what you expect from a game called Unpacking. And the magic of it starts happening as you realize what you're unpacking has significance, just as it does in real life. Everything that a person brings from one place to another when they move is significant because they, you know, they bought it at one point or they inherited it, maybe they got it, they, you know, they used it or loved it or whatever you may may say about it. And then later it went to the next step, right? Until ultimately maybe you give it away or you sell it or, or whatever happens to it. And so it doesn't even need dialogue to tell a story. What it does do is it jumps forward in this person's time. You are unpacking the stuff of a specific person. You never see this person. You don't know their identity. You don't know their name. You don't know anything about them, but you see their stuff. Initially, it's 1997 and you're in a child's room and you are putting children's toys and clothes in the room. Flash forward, suddenly it's 2004 and it looks like you're going into a college dorm, a shared space for the first time. And you're putting, you know, um, school stuff in, in drawers. And you're putting, maybe you still have a couple of your um, stuffed animals from when you when you were a kid, but maybe there's fewer of them now. Maybe you see some like wear and tear on them. Maybe there's like a little bit of tearing happening on your on your teddy bear. That tells a story. Maybe the soccer ball is gone, and then instead you have an MP3 player. You know, it's 2004, and then jumps forward in time further than that. And you know what? It really works. It's really affecting story in surprising ways. This is a little bit of a minor spoiler, as, but really, in a game that doesn't have a story per se, it's hard to say if it's a spoiler at all. 
let's say at one point you're moving out of the dorm and maybe the next place that you move, it looks like a shared space with possibly a partner. And maybe the next place you move, maybe that partner is not there anymore. And it all, does all this storytelling in, kind, in, in a completely dialogue-free way. And it's really affecting. I haven't finished it yet. It looks like I may have one or two more moves to finish. But as somebody who has made a lot of moves in my life, it, including one that I literally like, am in the middle of right now, even though I didn't physically move, but it feels like a change, it's a transition in my life, it was really cool to see that reflected back on me and to see that and interact with a game in this way. It's eerie timing when you think about it. And it's a really, really cool thing. And I 100% effusively recommend it to anyone who is uh, thinks that that would emotionally resonate with them as well. Anybody who has Game Pass. It's very simple. It's very clean. Like, look reminds me of kind of like a Macintosh 2 era, like edutainment game from like the mid 90s. That's the kind of vibe that you're getting visually. The places are not visually different enough to differentiate them. Um, one little tiny nitpick I'll say about it is that it's a little strict about where things go. You can't just place things willy nilly. In fact, in the kitchens, sometimes it'll be like strange about placing some like pots and pans. Oh, they can't go here on a shelf. They have to go in under the sink for some reason. Stuff like that. But the game is very good about once you're before you're wrapping up the move, it'll tell you you'll flash red in one of the rooms when something is in the wrong place and it'll tell you to move it. And in one specific instance, a placement of something you would never know was incorrect but the thing it has you do to remove it and where it moves it speaks volumes of where the character that you're moving for is in their life. And that was a really affecting, cool m moment that was 100% based on game mechanics to tell its story. So yeah, I one of my... Like, easily, immediately, one of my favorite game experiences this year. I'll definitely probably come back to this one at the end of the year as well. Unpacking. It's it's cool. It's a one of those underspoken, like, understated gems of the year. Um, I recommend it for Game Pass owners, for sure. And with that, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you for joining us on this really quick, quick week uh, without, without a co-host. Uh, we'll be back with a normal full show next week. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. If you want to watch the video version of this show, if you want to watch us live occasionally, or the video recordings of our live sessions, you can go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, look at our archive there, leave a comment, click subscribe, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel comfortable with. If you'd rather listen to the recorded version of the show, you can do so on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can download us just by searching Media Boat Podcast. You can also find us on social media channels, including Twitter, where our handle is at Media Boatcast, Facebook, where you search Media Boat Podcast and find our page. You can also find us on the internet, MediaBoatPodcast.com, where an archive of our show is there. And last but not least, if you want to give us feedback about the show, if you have any questions you'd like read on the show and answered, if you just want to say something to us, I don't know, whatever you want, you can do so mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Send your messages over there and hey, we'll check them out. 
And with that, thank you for joining us. We'll be back for episode 305, where Pitbull will be our guest. No, I'm kidding. I wish. I wish we could get Pitbull. Um, next week. Um, in the meantime, have a good week, everybody. And we will see you here next week. Bye-bye.